Look at somebody on your left or right as you're being seated and tell them, God is good all the time. All of the time, God is good. In the book of 2 Kings today, we will be reading in chapter number 4. This is during the life and times of Elisha. Boy, if you haven't read through the book of 1 and 2 Kings in a little while, read through it. You will be blessed. There are dynamic accounts of God in God's word of how good God is. Can I tell you, God has truly been good in people's lives, his people's lives throughout history. Let's read chapter 4, starting at verse 1. It says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take, me, take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing. Look at your neighbor and say, Nothing. Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. Now, a few weeks ago, we began our series entitled War Footing. And the reason that we started this series is to understand that God expects us to maintain our preparedness. God wants you every day, not just on Sundays, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to be spiritually prepared. He wants you to go knowing that there is a battle that's out there. There's a real enemy in this world. There's a spiritual enemy who would like nothing more than to catch you unprepared. But our goal as Christians and as believers is to be prepared. Now let me tell you something. Preparedness is a personal decision. How do you choose to be prepared? Read the word of God every day. Come on now. Pray. Sign up for prayer and fasting. Some of us, I know we get nervous and we say, I've never done it before. I'm afraid to step out in that area. Let me tell you, God will reward you for taking steps of faith. Amen? So take those steps. Be prepared. Expect God's goodness in your life. You have to take responsibility for yourself. Oh, I'm going to say it again. You have to take responsibility for yourself. Nobody else can help you be spiritually prepared. You're going to have to prepare yourself for the things that are out there. This is true financially. It's certainly true relationally. But it's also very important spiritually. You have got to be a person who is spiritually prepared. Well, today, we go to the fourth chapter of 2 Kings. And this is an interesting passage. Because prior, we've been looking at kings. We've been looking at prophets. And we've been looking at nations. And how decisions that people make, how they will impact great groups of people at a time. But let's take this and let's drill down a little bit. And we're going to go in a completely different direction. And we're going to talk about the individual. How many of you are individuals? See, I'm, I'm just trying to ask questions to see if you're listening today. How many of you would agree we're all individuals? Right? Now, that means that each of us are unique. Just look around. There is nobody like you. Man, praise the Lord. I mean, you are one of a kind. You're, you're special. God gifted you. He made you. He created you. He designed you in a unique way. But we also, in our lives, sometimes go through situations where we have a sudden and unexpected heartbreak that enters into our life. In the account that we read today, the, the woman that we read of was the wife of a man who was a prophet. 
She was a servant, he was a servant of Elisha. He worked in company with Elisha in doing ministry. But something happened. We don't know all the details. He died. It was something that we expect to be something that was unanticipated. Why? Because there were two young boys still left in the family home. It kind of gives you an idea that it was probably an untimely death. We don't know if it was a sickness We don't know if it was an accident. We don't know what happened, but he was snatched away out of the home, and now a great deal of debt was left behind. Now, we again don't know if it was left because of the illness, maybe, or maybe because of unpreparedness. We aren't sure, but she was now being faced with the debt, with the loss, and on top of that, the threat that her sons would be sold into slavery to pay for the debt. What do you do in the midst of the battle, talking about war footing, when problems come and they hit close to home? How do you prepare yourself in those situations? Well, let me tell you today, friends, God has an answer. Has anybody found that many times problems surprise you? I remember hearing an account of a guy who went to the store, actually one of these pharmacies, these uh, uh, stores where they have the pharmacy in the back, and he had a problem, and he walked in and went back to the pharmacy in the back, and they often have one of those counters where it says information counter, right? They'll, you can ask the pharmacist, and, and so he walked up, and he asked, he said, I wanted to know, do you have a remedy for hiccups? And the pharmacist said, yes, I do, and reached over and slapped the guy across the face. I mean, the guy kind of staggered backwards, and it was stinging, and he said, hey, why'd you do that for the guy? The pharmacist said, hey, you don't have your hiccups anymore, do you? The fellow looked at him, he said, no, I don't have hiccups, but I was asking for my wife, and she's out in the car. (laughs) Right? What are we talking about? Unexpected problems. Ouch. It hurts. Just even thinking about it. Did you know that tomorrow morning, you might have a problem Slap you across the face. You didn't know it was coming. Or maybe you expected it might because it is Monday, right? But it's coming your way. Well, let's look a little bit today into the word of God and see how that we can make sure to, come on now, not waste a miracle. First thing that I want you to see about the lady that we read about today is that she saw her need, but she did not see her answer. Go with me and read again that first verse. We're just gonna read one verse, and it tells us a lot. It says in verse number one, one day, look at your neighbor, say one day. One day, the widow of a member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Now this woman today was needing to be on her war footing, but she was surprised. What was she surprised by? First of all, she and her family were serving God. Can I tell you that Satan is an equal opportunity attacker? He doesn't matter if you're a believer in Jesus or not, he will attack your home. And so he, she says to him, this situation came, you know that we love God, you know we're serving God, you know that my husband was committed and he loved God, but a tragedy has come to our home. We didn't see this coming. What are we going to do? Friends, that's speaking to somebody in this room today because you love God 
and you've been asking yourself the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do problems come into my life? Why are they there? You know, not any of us really like conflict because here's what conflict does to us. It always costs us something. Conflict will cost you emotionally. It'll cost you financially. It'll cost you physically. And sometimes it costs us in all of those levels. And let me give you a personal example from my life. A few years ago, about four and a half years ago, you know that rather suddenly my dad got sick and died. Within a series of weeks, he became sick and he passed away. In our family, I have a stepbrother who lives in the Dallas area, and his wife had been battling MS, and she got sick, and she had been battling that disease, and passed away about four days before Pastor Ray did. So in that family home, there were two losses within about four days. And I was talking to my stepbrother some months after this, and he said to me, been a very successful businessman in the Dallas area. And he said to me, he said, you know what? I just don't feel like, I don't have the desire to go to work. I don't have the desire to do things like I did anymore. I just don't want to do it. And what he told me didn't surprise me. Because the same feelings that he was describing to me by phone were the same things that I was feeling. You know, I knew how to, to get up and prepare a message. I knew how to share on a Sunday. But the reality was that I was struggling through a heartbreak that was making it difficult for me to focus on the things I needed to do. Can I tell you, when Satan attacks you, it makes it difficult for you to stay focused. And it's, it's, it's a real feeling. I'm not talking about something that might happen. I've had those feelings. You've probably had those feelings. We battle through those times in our life. And the woman was left in warfare, in a warfare situation with a huge problem. She had a money problem. Let me tell you, if you have a money problem, that will consume your thinking. You will think about it because it's there. She was lonely. She felt isolated. Her family was under attack. Never believe that your problems do not have an answer. Oh, let me say it again. Never believe that, you, that your problem doesn't have an answer. God knows where you are. Most of us struggle because all we can see is the problem, and we just can't see the answer that God has already placed in our life. All oh, praise God. He's already put that answer there. You can hear the desperation. Listen to her voice. What does she say? My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. Elisha, you know he was a good man. Elisha, you know that he was a good father. Elisha, you know that he loved God, and he served God with all of his heart, and something terrible has happened in our family. Something terrible has happened in our home, and I don't know what we're supposed to do. You see, friends, that's exactly where we are many times in our life. We look around and say, God, you know I love you. God, you know that I've been trying my best. I can only see, though, this problem that I have. I cannot see my answer. But I want you to understand something today very quickly. Remember, never forget, God knows your answer, but you may have to seek his space for his answer. You know, the testimony of the, this widow and what is remarkable about her faith and really testifies to her love of God is that she ran to God and not away from God when she had a problem. 
And I want to encourage you this Sunday morning. You may be going through a, a dark time. You may be going through a season where you say, God, I don't understand because I've been trying to do my very best for you. And you may be having a longing that says, God, why? But instead of running from God, run to God and you will not be disappointed. There's just something else that we can see and it's it's very important for us to remember this. It's simply this. The answer is here. Right here. Right now. You know, as we, if we look into this passage, I want to assure you today that God has an answer to your need. But we'll be practical. I'll be practical with you. Fellas, maybe you can understand this a little bit. Any of you guys afraid to ask your wife where something is in the laundry room or in the kitchen? I mean, do any of you have a fear? Oh, I see, I see a witness or two. The reason it, for that is because if it is, you know, like at my house, when I've asked in days gone by, Ruth, where is the, she'll say, it's under the counter on the left. And I'll go and I'll open the counter and I'll look and I'll say, it's not there. And she'll say, yes, it is. She'll tell me, go look again. I'll say, look, I'm gonna go look and I'll look again. I say, it's not there. And then she'll say something like this to me. You're gonna have to move some things and look for it. (laughs) And the tragedy is, Brother Moses, that she's usually right. Yesterday, she told me, you know, we need to get some eggs at the grocery store because I think we're almost out. And so I went to the, there's a certain brand she wants. So I went to the refrigerator to look and I opened up and I said, there's not any eggs in here. But I remembered my lesson I had learned. And my lesson was, you better look a second time. And I looked, and sure enough, behind some, there they were. And I looked, and I found, now I thought, you might say, how, where are you going with this, Pastor? Let me tell you, there's a spiritual application to this truth. Here's the spiritual application. God has already put the answer in your life. Come on now. But you may have to move some things around so you can see clearly to be able to see it. You may have to to move some things out of the way. You may have to bind some things up, amen? You may have to lose some things so that God can give you a better ability to have a better overview so that you can see your answer. But never believe that your answer's not there because God has an answer for your problem. God has a, has a way to finish up the situation that you see started. It says in verse number two of chapter four, Elisha's response, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. Now, here's the great thing. The very thing that you may have overlooked may be the thing that God wants to use in your life. Well, all I have is this flask of olive oil, and it's not very much. Let me say, friends, that because of her grief and because of her struggle, she really didn't realize how God was going to work and what God had already given to her. And when we're on our war footing, we must not allow our fears to overshadow our faith. Because if you're living in fear, let me tell you, fear and faith do not coexist together. You can either live in fear or you can live in faith, but you cannot live in both. Next thing that we can see. God honors our faith when our faith is in motion. Let's just say it out loud. Faith in motion. One more time. Faith in motion. What God wants from you today is putting your faith in motion. Now, here's the truth. Faith needs to be in motion, but fear is paralyzing. Often, We have a problem, and we want to shut down. 
You ever had a problem and the alarm rings on your phone or on your watch or on your alarm clock and as you look at it, you say, I don't want to get up today. Have any of you even pulled up the, the blankets a little bit higher? And said, maybe just another 10 minutes. Maybe, maybe not today. What is that? That's a symptom of being paralyzed by our fears, isn't it? Say, I, I just don't want to face what's out there. Well, look with me at verses 3 and 4. Let's continue just reading down this passage. Verse 3 says this. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into the, your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. Now let me tell you, all of that describes action. Do you see that? First of all, go and borrow some containers and some pots. Number two, close the door. Number three, pour the oil. And number four, set those things aside once the oil has been poured. Can I tell you, all of that required action. It was not going to be enough for her to just sit there and say, you know, I'm just believing God to do something in my life, but I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid. Oh, but I know God can do it. And then she could have heard, you need to go take care of borrowing things from your neighbors. Ah, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid, I'm so afraid. What if I run into that creditor out there? Oh, he could be outside. He could be outside. I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my house. I want to just stay in here. Oh, I want to lock the door. I don't want to get up. I don't want to move. Let me tell you, that's how we respond spiritually too much of the time when God is saying, it's time to start moving. We are paralyzed in our fears. We're bound up in our fear. Faith requires action. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six. Let's listen to how the word of God describes faith. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. How many of you in this room believe God exists? Pitching your softballs, come on. How many of you believe God exists? All right. How many of you believe that God will reward those who seek him? Oh, praise God. So what are we saying? By faith, I believe that God is and that God will reward me stepping out in faith, even though sometimes it is hard. We have to stay on this war footing. This woman had to borrow the containers. The a prophet told her, you're going to have to close the door. This is a, oh, let me tell you something. Some miracles are for your benefit. Some of them aren't for everybody to necessarily see up close. I think it's interesting that Elisha said, I want you to close the door, and I want you and your boys to encounter the supernatural of God. Oh, there's a word there for us. Let me tell you, friends, those young boys had had a hurt in their heart too. They'd seen their dad, who they loved, who followed God and honored God, suddenly snatched out of their life, and they didn't understand. They knew that the threat of somebody coming and taking them into slavery was personal and real, but God wanted to bless this widow, but God wanted to show something powerful to that next generation. 
He wanted to speak a truth to that next generation and let them be eyewitnesses of the truth. Let me tell you, friends, it is important that you allow the next generation to see in your home how powerful God is and how strong God is. Oh, give the Lord a praise today. He needs to know, and the next generation needs to know that there is a God in heaven. So we see some things beginning to happen. Now, it's hard to get started. Come on now. How many of you find it hard to get started in the mornings? Yeah. How many of you, just your bed isn't what it used to be. Might have been the same bed, but man, either it's the bed or the body. I'm not sure which. And some of us experience it as we start into new areas of life. You ever made a decision that you're going to exercise? Praise the Lord. (sighs) I'm going to get out there. Now, we do certain things in preparation. We buy new tennis shoes. These shoes, I can run faster and go farther. You might even get a, you know, a pair of warm-ups and a, a really cool-looking shirt. Because you're going you're gonna to head out, man. You're going you're gonna to be jogging. with the, you're, You want to look good when you're pointing to the neighbors, you know? Right? And you get out there, you're going, either you're jogging around the neighborhood, you're heading to the gym, you're doing whatever, and the first day usually can be a hard day because as you get, how many of you know as you're jogging or running or working out that you have determination for five minutes? And then the sixth moment comes, and your body begins to remind you how terribly out of shape you really are, Right? But you've made the determination, you've bought the shoes, you've worn the outfit, and so you stay after it. And and day two is usually worse than day one. But if you get up and you start moving, and you begin the regimen, and you begin to do the different things that you've got to do, and as you start, how many of you know once you started, you're better off? You're better off because you, you want to get there. You've, you've made the commitment. That brings us to the fourth thing that I want you to look at with me this morning before we close, which is what I titled this time in the Word. Don't waste your miracle. Don't waste it. Don't waste your miracle. It says in verse number five, let's pick up at verse five. We'll read down to verse six. It says, so she did as she was told. Look at your neighbor, say, obedience. God honors obedience. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing her, bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. You see, this is a miracle, and her sons got to see it. She probably didn't understand, but she said, sons, this is what we're going to do. Fellas, we're going to go out. We need to borrow as many containers as you can get in the neighborhood. And so they went out and helped her, and they brought them in. And, and I have to believe that some of them were those big containers. Have you ever moved one of those big containers? It's a pottery container. They're heavy. And you move them, and you put them down, and, and, and they, they were collected. And so she said, okay, this is what we're going to do. The prophet said, close that door over there. Close the door, Mom. Yep, close the door. The prophet said, I've got this flask of oil, and I'm supposed to pour it into this first jar. I don't know, maybe that first one was a big one. Can I tell you that taking that first step of faith is often the hardest? And I'm going to pour this this into this jar, and and fellas, it's going to fill up the jar. 
Mom, that's a tiny little flask. There's no way it could, it's, it's impossible, Mom, for it to fill up that jar. I believe that it's going to happen. And she started to pour. Now, let's be honest. If you have a tiny jar and a big jar, you don't care how full the tiny jar is, there's no way it's going to fill the big jar. I mean, it's humanly impossible. So she began to pour, and all of a sudden, it kept pouring. And it kept pouring, and it filled it up. And she said, bring me another, jar, bring, bring me another container. And they, they brought the next, next one. Now, how many of you think that those little boys all of a sudden had some big eyes? How many of you think that that mother had some big eyes? <laughs> this is great. How many of you think there was some smile? When God begins to bring a miracle into your life, how many of you know it begins to fill you with the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord begins to come into your spirit. It, it begins to move into our lives in, a, in a, a way that nothing else can answer. And it's important for us to understand that even after that loss that was so personal for this mom and these, these children, God was concerned not only about the widow, but God was concerned about those children. And I just want to say this to us in this room today. You know, many of our kids may not be in the room, maybe your teens are with you today or your young adults are with you, and that's wonderful. But let me tell you, there's a next generation that needs to see the power of Jesus in you and me. There's another generation that just needs to see that coming to pass. But it's easy to waste a miracle. It's easy for us to, to waste that miracle. Because let me tell you, there comes a point when the miracle ends. I, I've shared this story before, and, and some of you have heard this if you've been in this church for a long time, but my, my dad shared this with me, and it was something that, that connected with me because I was in the home when it happened. When this church began back in the early 1970s, we were located up on Candelaria. If you know where Candelaria and Moon is located, that's where the first church facility for evangel was located. And back in those days, if, if you had a special speaker like an evangelist or a missionary, they always stayed at your house. And when I was a little kid, we always had people staying in our house in the guest bedroom. And we had a missionary that came to church on a Sunday, and they came, and he came and arrived, and he shared the word, and he was supposed to leave the very next day to go to another uh, church for a Wednesday night service, but he got a cancellation and wasn't able to go, and he didn't have any place to go for almost uh, another week until the next weekend. And so he asked my folks, can I stay with you? And they said, well, sure. Now, the reality was the church was in those days very small, and my parents didn't have a lot of money, and I was a little guy, and, and, and because of that, you know, you feed little guys Milk, right? That's what they drink. And so my mom just had a little bit of milk in the container, didn't have enough money to go back to the store to even buy more milk, but this missionary had a problem. He had in his stomach ulcers, and he only drank milk. Now, when I was growing up, Ruth and I have talked about this. How many of you know, when back in the olden days, you never got to drink soda at, as a, as a, at your meals? How many of you know that that was just a truth? In fact, when I got married, one of my determinations was we would drink soda at mealtime, you know? But at our house, when I was a kid, what they would drink is iced tea. Anybody grew up on iced tea? Also, my mom would offer the missionary, would you like some iced tea? No, I think I'll have some milk. Milk? Yep, I'll have milk. Every meal, three times a day, she would go to that carton that was, just had a little bit of milk in it. She'd pour milk for the missionary into a big glass, about a 16-ounce glass, and she'd pour milk for me, a little fella, to, to drink. And the first day, it lasted. First meal, second meal, third meal. Now she tells my dad, there's something going on with the milk container. 
just want you to know, we don't really have enough milk, but it's lasting. So he, he continued, would you like iced tea? No milk. Oh, man, here we go. Pour a little bit more. And it continued. Big glass of milk. Here he'd go. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, somewhere around Friday. Praise the Lord, the missionary left, right? And the milk stopped pouring. You know what the amazing thing is? If God can do the miracle in the days of the word of God, God can do the miracle that you need today. Praise God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's amazing what God can do. And in the midst of this, she was given an instruction. Verse number seven. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. He gives her instruction. He says, don't waste your miracle. Years ago, we had a lady and man in this church who were struggling with marital problems. They came to the church for counseling. The pastor met with them and said, you know, your financial problems that are causing these marital problems are connected to the credit cards. And one of the ways you can get free from this debt is you can destroy those credit cards, walk away from, from this consumer debt, get those things paid off, and eventually you're going to come out of this problem. They brought their credit cards and and they, they took them and they, they put them uh, away and they cut them up and did those things that weren't necessary. And, and the husband looked at the wife and said, Look, there's that one credit card. I, I didn't see that one. And she looked at him and she said, I'm not going to get rid of that credit card. That's for me to treat myself with. He had big eyes. The pastor looked at her. She refused to give it up. The reality was, a few months later, just a, a short period of time later, maybe a, a year or so later, that family's marriage broke up because she'd been given an opportunity. She'd been given an answer. She'd been given a way to find her miracle, but she wasted her opportunity. My statement to us this Sunday morning as we come to the close of our time together and as the musicians come is you need to finish off the enemy when God gives you your miracle. Finish him off. Don't allow him another chance. Now, what might your enemy be? It might be the enemy of fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and soundness of mind. So when God gives you the gift of peace, don't let go of your peace. Maybe God's given you a financial miracle. Maybe he's blessed you. If he has, that doesn't necessarily mean it's time to go out and out to eat and go on a shopping spree. It may indeed mean to deal with your problem. To sow into that situation. Maybe your problem that you're battling with is something very different. Maybe it's worry. And God has spoken to you. He's already shown you the miracle. It's okay. It's going to work out. Do you understand God sees the beginning and the end? And we worry because we can only see right where we are. But God says, I can already see over here and you're good. And I want you to, to just understand you're good. Do you know if you can live in that peace and in that confidence, then that worry will just melt away. It's gone. Don't waste your miracle. As we come to the close of our time together today, think about what we learned in this passage. We learned that a lot of times in life, you'll see your need, but you won't see your answer. But I want you to know, that your answer is right there. God's already pre-positioned the answer that you need. 
What you and I have to do is put our faith in motion and make sure that we do not waste the miracle that God provides.